0: Listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Okay, do whatever you got to do to lean in with me for the next few moments that we have together. Uh, do, put yourself in a posture that says to yourself and says to God, That phrase that we just talked about, Maranatha, that phrase, I expect to hear from God tonight. I'm desperate to hear from God. Is that anybody in the house? Okay. Tonight, we are continuing in uh, week number three of a series that we've been in called Not My Own. It's been a really, really amazing series. And throughout this series, what are we doing? Well, we're tackling gifts that God gives us every single week we're looking at a different thing that the world tells us you need to work for, the world tells us you need to strive for, you need to earn, you need to perform for these things. But these are all things that, listen to me, we already have through Jesus. Like if you're a child of God, every single week we're talking about something that is already with, it's already for you. You All, all you have to do is receive it. And if you've missed any of the weeks in this series, I highly recommend you go back, listen to them. We've talked about a righteousness that's not my own. We've talked about last week, our bodies are not our own. Some of y'all are like, that's kind of a weird message to talk about. If you weren't there, go check it out. I'll explain more later. And tonight we are talking about this, glory. Somebody say glory. Glory, glory. glory. not my own. Glory, what, what is this? Well. I've got two scriptures for you tonight. We're gonna pray, and we're gonna jump into this message. Philippians chapter two, starting in verse three. Y'all ready for the word of God? Philippians chapter two, verse three, it says this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Somebody say emptied. Emptied Emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Verse nine, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Amen, that is a chunky, powerful verse right there. I've got one more for you, and then we're going to pray. John 17, verse 22. We've read this one a lot this year, and the Lord keeps bringing it back to me. So maybe some of you should start memorizing this passage. (laughs) But here's what it says. John 17, this is Jesus talking. He says, the glory. Somebody say glory. glory. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. And that's you, by the way. I've given to you, that you may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for my new song, Students Family, and I thank you that what it means to be a child of God, it means that I can rest. I don't have to work. I don't have to strive. I don't have to grind for you anymore. It's a gift. These things are a gift. And so tonight, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to every single heart in the room. Open up our eyes to what it means to have a glory that's not our own. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay. What in the world is glory? What is glory? What does that mean? Sometimes I feel like, just being honest, I feel like 95% of the messages I preach start the exact same way. It's me like telling you a churchy word that we hear all of the time and then defining it. Now, I just want you to know, I'm not trying to be repetitive. I'm not trying to be boring. I hope I'm not that boring for you guys. But what I'm trying to do is a pet peeve of, can I tell you guys a pet peeve of mine? A pet peeve of mine is seeing Christians use churchy spiritual words um, without knowing what they actually mean. That's a pet peeve of mine. And I don't say that from like a judgmental view. I'm not like, oh, I'm a pastor and I know how to use all of the churchy words correctly. That's not my heart. My heart is, no, I've been that guy before that was saying churchy spiritual words and I had no idea what I was saying and so what I want to do when I teach to you guys is I want you to know what in the world we're actually talking about, amen? So what do we mean when we say the word glory? Well, the Bible, when it says the word glory, it's interesting, if you do just a little bit, a little bit of research on this word, this word is multifaceted. That means there's like a lot of different meanings to this word. Like if you look up in Blue Letter Bible, does anybody use Blue Letter Bible? Yeah. If you look up the definition of glory, the Greek word is doxa, you're gonna get like 32 different definitions of the word glory. Like it's multifaceted, it's all encompassing. It means a bunch of different things. It can mean opinion, it can mean judgment, it can mean God's presence, honor, value, majesty. Like it can mean a ton of different things. But the most common way that this word glory is used in the Bible is actually is a Hebrew word, which is kabod. Somebody say kabod. Kabod. That's kind of like the sound like when you hit something with a bat, like kabod. And the word kabod in Hebrew means this, weightiness or worth. Write that down if you're taking notes. Kabod, glory, means weightiness or worth. Now, I was thinking about this this week, this isn't the best comparison to what glory means, but a good way to think of this word kabad is to think of the feeling of being in the same room as a famous person. Have you ever been in the same room as a famous person before? Yeah. Come on, are you guys awake tonight? You guys are a little quiet tonight. Okay, um, when you are in the room with a bunch of normals like you and me, <laughs> like the room just feels normal, right? But all of a sudden, when a famous person walks in, somebody who has influence and is known, it, do you know what I mean? That feeling when it's like, oh, all of a sudden the room kind of feels a little different. Yeah. Like there's a weightiness to the room. It feels, nothing physically changes about the room, but everything changes about how we're feeling in the room. There was two times this happened to me. I'm, I, I'm not bragging like I've been around a bunch of famous people before, but There were two times that this happened to me. One was uh, Haley and I got some tickets to go see this band that we really like called Colony House. Um, My my father-in-law got Haley and I tickets to go see this band, but he got us the VIP tickets. So we got to come early. We got those fancy special bracelets. We got to go into a meet and greet and get a poster signed. It was really dope. So before the show, we're like waiting out in line with all of the normals all of the peasants, right? And we're, we're standing out in line with all the normal people, like it just feels average. And then all of a sudden the bouncer, like the big tough guy at the door, he starts letting us in and we show him our cool bracelet. We're like, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm cool. I get to go in here. We walk into this room, this tiny room, and then there they are, Colony House. Like the, the band that I've been jamming for years, like they're right there. The guys that I've been listening to for years, the guys that I've been seeing on Instagram with like thousands of likes, they're right there in front of me. Have you ever been there before? And it just like, the room felt different. It just kind of felt heavier, like in a good way. It was awesome. Uh, there was another time this happened. This one is like, uh, if I'm being honest, I kind of fangirled a little bit. Okay. (laughs) But there was another time this happened and it was, it was just last year. I was at a church conference with pastor Josh and Sarah and, um, outside of our new song pastors which y'all know we got the best pastors in the planet but outside of our new song pastors there's a guy that I listen to every single week his name's John Tyson he pastors a church in New York City I love this guy I listen to him every single Monday I've been following his church for years he really has had an influence a lot in the way I communicate the way I like to communicate I love this guy so when we were going to this conference, I knew John Tyson was preaching here. So you know your boy was really excited for conference. So we get to this conference. It's all the way out in Michigan. And on the first morning, the first morning before the first session, we get there. We go get in line to grab some coffees. And Pastor Sarah, she knows that I've got like a little crush on John Tyson. So, so Pastor Sarah, she's standing next to me. We're getting coffee. And she's like, Jackson, Jackson, John Tyson's right there. And I look up, and he's, like, five feet in front. Of, he's, like, right there. He's right in front of me. And uh, instantly, like, my mind is racing, and my heart just, like, like, just drops into my stomach. And have you ever been there where you're, like, trying to act normal around somebody? And, but, you, but you, like, you don't really know what you look like on the outside. So John Tyson's, like, five feet in front of me, and I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh, there's John Tyson. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay, Jackson, uh, look normal, act normal. Don't be weird, don't be creepy. You should go talk to him though. Go tell him like, thank you. Thank you so much for all that you do. No, don't do that. That's creepy. Don't say anything. Just look, wow, he's a lot taller than I thought in person. Like, like all, of these, all of these thoughts are just running through my mind because I'm around some like semi-famous pastor. Like I was just, I was just fangirling all over the place. So this is kind of what kabod means. It's, it's a weightiness. It's, it's this glory that the Bible talks about where when the presence of God shows in, there's a weightiness to the room. When God shows up and God's glory shows up, the atmosphere changes because we start to recognize God's value, God's worth, God's importance, God's beauty, his majesty. All of this is wrapped up in one single word, glory. Somebody say glory. glory. But the reality is that this band, that I was super into, and this pastor that I had a crush on. (laughs) Both of these people are famous, but they're actually just normal people like you and me. You know that, right? They're normal people. In fact, if you ever get the chance to know somebody who has a really large following, what you'll know over time is that that same glory that you used to felt when you're around them kind of wears off. Why? It's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. It's because they're a normal person like you and me. So that's what that means. But this glory, when we talk about God, is different. It's deeper. It's deeper. It's better. The glory of God is so much greater. It carries a weightiness to it. if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. All glory comes from God because God is the most meaningful, the most weighty, important, majestic, and valuable person in the universe. God is glorious. So before we look into this gift that God gives us as children of God, because we're talking about not my own, and I want you to know God gives us a glory, and that's really powerful. But before we look at the glory that God gives us, we've got to first recognize that first God is glory. God is glory. So I want to read to you like five passages of scripture real quick that just talk about the glory of god your face is about to be melted right now are you guys ready for these yeah. exodus 15 i'm just going to hammer through these exodus 15:11 says this who is like you among the gods o lord who is like you majestic in holiness awesome in praise working wonders that's the god we serve 1st corinthians 29:11 says yours o god is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty and it just keeps going on and on for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours yours is the kingdom o lord you are exalted above all of heaven can y'all keep going with me yes. psalm 19:1 says the heavens declare your glory o god and the sky above proclaims his handiwork have you ever seen a really amazing beautiful sunset Doesn't that, when you look at that, you're just like, wow, God is so awesome. That's the glory of God. And I've got one more for you. This verse is bad to the bone, y'all. Psalm 97, verse one, it says, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. You know what the foundation of my throne is? Two pieces of wood. The foundation of God's throne is righteousness and justice. That's pretty bad. Fire goes before him and burns up all of his adversaries. His lightning lights up the whole world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord, all of the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all of the peoples see his glory. Time out. Is anybody trying to mess with that kind of God? You mean to tell me that God is boring? That God? Are you trying to mess with that kind of God? Come on, somebody be vocal with me. Are you trying to mess with that kind of God? No. God. The, I love that passage where it says, the mountains melt like wax before God. Like sometimes, if we're just being honest, we give our problems way too much weight. We give our problems too much weight and we forget that our God is glorious. Like righteousness and justice are his throne. Fire burns up his adversaries. Imagine if you woke up every day and you read these four scriptures every morning and you just reminded yourself of how big God is. I'm telling you, if you did that every day, that would change everything. Because you know what would happen? Somebody at school doesn't like you and you've been reading those all morning, you're gonna be like, I'm good. Somebody doesn't like me, I'm good. You, you get in trouble with your mom or dad, they, keep you, they, they, they catch you doing something you shouldn't, and guess what? That stinks, but you know what? You've been reading those, and you're going to be like, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Like, you get some news that you didn't make the team you wanted to be on. Yeah, that's hard, but I'm good. Yeah. Why? Because people around you, they're going to start to see how, like, th- like, the things around you aren't phasing you. And they're, they're going to come up to you, and they're going to say, dude, why aren't you sad? Like, why aren't you beat up by all of the bad stuff happening around you and then you get to respond as a child of God like, oh yeah, like that stuff is hard, but like the mountains melt like wax before my God. So I think he can handle my issues, amen? Like, this is what it means to serve a glorious God. Like, think of the confidence that comes when you read scriptures like that. The confidence that comes when we have a right view of how big God actually is, amen? And we need to have a really high view of how God actually is, how glorious he is, because according to Jesus, not me, I didn't write this, according to Jesus, glory is something that we are given. God gives us glory, which we'll get into in just a little bit, but when, when God's glory is, when we recognize that God is infinite, that his, his, he's infinite in power, he's infinite in value, that this is the awesome God that we serve. I'm telling you, it changes everything. There's almost like a tangible weight that falls into the room when we start to think of God in this way. Maybe you've been in worship before and you've felt that weight before. Like nothing physically changes in the room, but all of a sudden it's like, man, I need to bow down or something. That's the glory of God falling in the room. This is the glory of God. And here's something that's really, really dope about the glory of God. Um, the glory of God is there whether you acknowledge it or not. And that's pretty awesome. Like a couple weeks ago, I preached on unity. Do you guys remember that message? I preached on unity and I talked about how unity is born from what? Honor, honor. that's right. Unity is born from honor. Does anybody remember what honor is? Honor is when I, when I see and then I acknowledge the value and importance of somebody. Now, honor is important. It's important for you and I to honor God. What does that mean if you honor God? It means you see that he's important and then you acknowledge it with your mouth. But I love what John Tyson says. I gotta throw a John Tyson quote in for y'all because I just talked about him all night. John Tyson says this, glory doesn't require recognition. God is glorified whether you do that or not. Like, so if somebody says to God, I don't like you, I don't believe in you, God, you suck. Guess what? Guess what? God is still glorified. <laughs> like, that doesn't change anything. Like, if you, if you don't give gl- God glory, guess what? He's still valuable. Yeah. Like, we don't give God value. We don't give him importance. He is value. Yeah. He is importance. So, like, if, if you say that to God, you're like, God, I hate you. I don't believe in you. You know what God says? Sorry, bro, that's your loss. That's like, That's like you and me looking up at the sky when it's sunny out, and we're like, I don't see you, moon, so you're not real. You know what the moon is saying? The moon's like, cool, bro, but I am. (laughs) And I'm a lot bigger than you. (laughs) Like, that's God. God's glory doesn't need recognition. Glory doesn't require proof. Write that down. This is really important. I'm going somewhere with this. Glory doesn't require proof. God doesn't need to prove himself in order to have glory or be glorious because he already is glory. But this is where we get to the drastic difference between God's glory, biblical glory, and the world's understanding of glory because God's word testifies that he is awesome, but our world looks at that and says, yeah, but prove it. Prove that you're glorious, God. Prove that you're awesome, Eugene Peterson says this, our culture encourages and rewards ambition without qualification. We are surrounded by a way of life in which betterment is understood as expansion, acquisition, and fame. Okay, what does that mean? Well, look at this. It means everyone wants to get more, to be on top, no matter what the top is. There is nothing recent about this temptation. It's the oldest sin in the book, the one that got Adam thrown out of the garden and Lucifer tossed out of hell. So I want you to see that nobody is free from this temptation, this feeling that I have to do, I have to work, I have to earn and prove that I matter. Remember, God's glory means that he's important, that he matters. God gave you and I a glory, But the world says, prove that you matter. Prove that you're glorious. And not even Jesus was free from this temptation. In Matthew chapter three, you guys remember this. Jesus is baptized. He comes out of the water. Sky opens up. God's like, yo, son, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, Jesus. And then right after that, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness for a 40-day fast. And the enemy knew what he was doing, y'all. The enemy was super crafty. He waited for the perfect moment to come tempt Jesus. Not only did he wait for Jesus to be tired, he waited for Jesus to be hungry, but he also waited for Jesus to be far removed from the words he heard from God. What I want you to see is I'm sure it was a lot easier for Jesus to feel like he had glory when he was around John the Baptist, when he was around his disciples when he heard God audibly say, I'm pleased with you. But now, is he gonna believe what God says about him when everything is stripped away? Are you following me? Is he still gonna believe? And the devil knows this. So he's like, everything is stripped from Jesus. I bet he doesn't think he's valuable anymore. So he comes in and he tempts Jesus. Now, if you've grown up in the church, you know this story. And it's usually preached like this. Use God's word to fight the devil. And that's a good message. Amen. I believe that because Jesus says the word, it is written, it is written, it is written. But what I want to show you tonight is that there are three glory tests that Jesus passes. Three glory tests. And guess what? Spoiler alert. You and I, we have to go through these glory tests. All right? All right? All right? Okay, just making sure y'all are with me. Number one, the first glory test that Jesus passed is this. Glory comes from what I do, performance. Matthew chapter four, verse three, it says this, and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these, these stones to become loaves of bread. Now the enemy isn't coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, you're not the son of God. He didn't say Jesus wasn't the son of God. He came and said, hey, Jesus, Prove you're the son of God. Perform. Show me a miracle and then I'll believe you're the son of God. It's this false belief that our world says, you're not important, you're not valuable until you start connecting that with performance. You need to prove that you matter. You need to prove that you're worth something. The second glory test that Jesus passes is this. Glory comes from what I have. Possessions. Matthew 4, verses eight through nine. Again, the devil took him on a very high mountain, showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, all of this shiny, fancy stuff I will give to you. Jesus, you can have all of the possessions in the world if you will fall down and worship me. What the enemy comes to Jesus with is he says, Jesus, are you sure you're really important? Because right now, you don't have any stuff. You don't have anything to prove to your life that, you've, that you're valuable. You know what would help? Is if you had a bunch of really shiny things. And I'll give you all of those shiny things if you will just worship me. It's this lie from the enemy, from the world, that says my possessions, my stuff, my clothes, make me more valuable, but it's a lie. None of that stuff actually adds glory to your life. And Jesus passes this second test, and the third test is this. Glory comes from what others think popularity. Matthew four, verses five, it says, then the devil came and took him to a holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you on their hands. They will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. So what is happening? The devil takes Jesus to the top of the temple, the temple would have been a heavily populated area. There would have been tons of people around that would have seen this miracle. And what is the devil trying to tempt Jesus with? The approval of people, the popularity of people. The devil is saying, hey, Jesus, throw yourself down from this temple. The angels are gonna save you. Everybody's gonna see, and then they'll believe you're the son of God, which by the way, Jesus, nobody thinks you're the son of God. They think you're just the carpenter's son from Nazareth. You know what would really help your case? If you gained some popularity with everybody. So throw yourself down. Everybody will see how awesome you are and they're gonna worship you as the son of God. Do you see this? New Song students, how are you doing with these three glory tests? How are you doing? Are you you beating them like Jesus did or are you giving into one of these tests? Are you giving in to one, two, maybe all three of these temptations that try to add value to your life, but add nothing to your life? Do you think that your life adds is more value if people at school think you're cool? Like, do you really think that? Be honest with yourself. Do what people think about you, does that matter to you? Do you think that you are less valuable if you don't have blank? Fill in the blank with anything the shoes, the the iPhone, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the stuff, do you think your life has less value because you don't have those things? Do you find yourself obsessing over every little thing you say, every little thing you do? You can't ever relax and just be yourself because you're constantly performing. Are you passing these glory tests? I read this quote the other day and it resonated with me and I don't like that it resonated with me. (laughs) It really resonated with me because I read this, and I was like, ooh, I have thought this before. I have been there before. I want to read it to you, and I bet you've been here too. It says this. I suddenly realized that for the entire 10-minute period from when I had first seen my friend until that very moment, I had been totally self-preoccupied. For the first two minutes before we met, all I was thinking about was the clever things I might say to impress him. During our five minutes together, I was listening to what he had to say only so that I might have something clever to say back. I watched him only so that I might see what effect my remarks were having on him. And for the two minutes after we separated, my sole thought content was those things that I could have said that might've impressed him even more. I had not cared a whit for my classmate. Have you ever been there before? Like you are constantly performing. You, you leave a conversation with somebody and all you're thinking about is, oh, I should have said this. Oh, that was so dumb. Why did I say that? Do you know what you're trying to do? You are trying to perform. You don't recognize that you are valuable whether you say the right thing or the wrong thing. Do you hear me? St. Teresa of Avila says this, almost all problems in the spiritual life stem from a lack of self-knowledge. And Peter Schizero says this, I love this. True freedom comes when we no longer need to be somebody special in other people's eyes because we know that we are lovable and good enough, in quotations, for God. True freedom comes when I don't need to try and be special to you anymore when I can just be Jackson, the child of God, when you can just be you and stop performing. Do you hear me? Jesus knew that he had glory, kabod, from the Father. Jesus knew he was worth something. Jesus knew his life mattered. He knew that he was special. He knew that he had a special plan that God had for him on this earth, and it wasn't tied to anything on this planet. It wasn't tied to anything. It was simply given to him. I wanna invite the band to come up as we get ready to close. John chapter 17, says this. I wanna remind you that that same glory that Jesus had in him, yes. what does he tell us? Y'all need to get this tonight. Yes. Jesus says the glory that you, God, have given me, I have given to them yes. that they may be one as we are one. Jesus knew that he had been given a glory, do you? I'm gonna say that again, New Song students. Jesus knew that he had been given glory, that he mattered, that his life was valuable. Do you know that? Do you know that? New Song students, do you recognize that your life has value? It has meaning apart from anything you do, apart from any achievement, any, it's any team you make, any platform you might have one day, any influence, popularity, riches apart from anything. Jesus understood that his glory, his worth, his power, it didn't come from anywhere but from God. And it led him to, doing, to walking in something that is actually available for you and me. And this is what it led to. Glory looks like confident humility glory, this is really good, looks like confident humility. Now, when we hear those two words, we're like confidence and humility, those don't go together. I'm here to tell you tonight, they do. Confident humility. Look at this, Eugene Peterson says this, having realized the dangers of pride, the sin of thinking too much of ourselves, we are suddenly in danger of another mistake, thinking too little of ourselves. There are some who conclude that since the great Christian temptation is to try and be everything, the perfect Christian solution is to be nothing. But that's not the solution. Humility is not you and I thinking that our life sucks. It's not us thinking that our life is worthless and that we're just nothing and people can walk on us. No, humility is a confident humility. And Jesus walked in confidence but he never stepped in pride. Jesus walked in humility, but he never saw his life as meaningless. Jesus was able to serve others, to look after the interests of others, and ultimately laid down his life, his worth. Why? Well, it started because he was confident. You know, Jesus didn't try to impress people. In fact, when you read the Bible, Jesus disappointed almost everybody. Jesus disappointed so many people, but he had a glory and he was confident in that. He already had it. He didn't need to impress anybody, but he was also humble. Jesus was humble to the point that he was willing to lay down his own life because he didn't feel like he needed to hold on to it. Because you know what Jesus thought? If God gave me this glory, he'll be the one who restores it when I give it away. So, when, If God gave me my worth and I give it away to somebody and I serve in humility, confident humility, guess what, God's gonna take care of me because God values me. New Song students, there is a confident humility that you may have never walked in before that Jesus offers you tonight. Maybe you've been walking in pride. Jesus isn't calling you to walk in pride, but he is calling you to be confident in who God says you are. Maybe you've been trying to be humble. And by doing that, you're trying to think, oh, my feelings don't matter. I just need to like, I just need to serve, serve, serve. And, and how I feel doesn't matter. No, 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 no. You do matter. Jesus cares about how you serve, but he wants you to walk in a confident humility. Some of you have never walked in that before. And the Lord offers that to you tonight. In fact, if you are already a believer, guess what? You already have it. It's just something you have to receive and walk in. Confident humility. This is available to you now, and we're going to pray for this in just a second. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we get ready to close?